You're listening to Steel Salary Cap Fantasy Football. The one and only podcast dedicated to providing analysis, advice, and entertainment for salary cap fantasy football players. Now, here are your hosts, Tim Kennedy and Sean McGuire. Well, gather round, everybody. It is time once again for the Steel Salary Cap Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Tim Kennedy. I'm here with Sean McGuire. Hi, Tim Kennedy. Hello, Sean McGuire. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Pretty well. It's a beautiful day here. I got a few things done on my house today that I wanted to get done. Uh, Some random painting or foiling (laughs) of your uh, trim. I feel like you did that for like... 12 years straight. For years. Yeah. Uh, I did. It was a paint job. Uh, part, the reason I'm painting again, my screen door, my back screen door, yeah. literally blew off my house. Like, in a storm? In a storm. Windstorm. Like, uh, it was probably over a month ago now, but it took forever to get Did you the, find it in the alley? Um, we were out of town and my kids found it in the backyard. God bless oh, them. Oh, so they, that's the story they told you. They Well, <laughs> that's good point. Good point, Sean. But uh, we finally got the new screen door, and now the the gou- it gouged the uh, the wooden door on the way out. The oh, screen door. Oh. So uh, I today like filled it with wood oh, filler. You could and spend an entire day it. doing that. Exactly, which is basically nice what day. I did. Yeah. So you think it was uh, how fast do you think that wind was going? 140 miles an hour, maybe. <laughs> well, nice segue, Sean. <laughs> I don't think it was probably that high. But why do you bring up 140? Jordan Addison just got pulled over in uh, the Twin Cities in a Lamborghini going 140 miles an hour. So I think the real crime here is he's driving a Lamborghini and he's only going 140. (laughs) I don't know (laughs) if that's true. I mean, Joel Walsh drove a Maserati 185, right? So Yeah, that's true. I will say, I don't know. I mean, he might have been... Walsh might have been driving like on and like the desert flats or something. This is in a city. That's true. No, I'm. You think I, Addison? I, you think Addison? I know he's probably concerned that people had question marks about his speed, but <laughs> let's just say from the beginning, nobody got hurt. But you'd think uh, that's you'd, why we're joking. You'd nobody think got that maybe he would have learned a little something from things that have happened in the recent past. You know, he's he's not twenty five, right? <laughs> Like his brain is not fully it's formed. Not fully yet. formed. That's no. the problem. He can be really good at football and whatnot, and still not have a completely formed brain. So, so, yes. so number one in importance is nobody got hurt. Yes, number one. Number number two, and a distant number two is: Does this impact Jordan Addison's season? Do you I think? Mean, I don't know. I mean, it, honestly, it's it's so reckless. I don't. I'd be surprised if the NFL like uh, uh, gave us did a suspension or something like that, but. It's not, I mean, the judgment involved, I, and, you know, I can give a little bit of a pass for, for young people being young, but it still is, uh, uh, it gives me a little pause. Like, you know, if, if you remember, I had the, the first, I think, four receivers, like, all in a jumble. I think it was four. It was JSN and All Addison the first rounders. Quentin Johnson, yeah. And Zay Flowers, right? Yeah, I think Zay ended up having going last because okay. I, I Oh, just, you like Mingo. 
mingle, but I think it was the top three that I really had a hard okay. time with. Okay. And um, I, I think uh, it, this a little something like this is enough to kind of like nudge somebody else higher for me. Okay. Like I, I, I still like him as a player, like, but you know, like you have to figure, you have to fact, there's like a knucklehead factor you have to account for when you're drafting a rookie. And you know, this is, this increases a knucklehead factor a little bit, just a little bit. Right. Another uh, piece of news here. We had Deandre Hopkins sign with Tennessee recently for two years, $26 million could be up to 32 million. Yeah. With incentives, a, a, a bargain compared to uh, uh, OBJ, right? A little bit. Yeah. Uh, do you want want me to comment first? Or yeah, do you I think comment first? It, it looks from our, our doc here that you have more to say about it. I, <laughs> but <laughs> well, we had just done a bunch of the free agent stuff, and we didn't have this one in, so I kind of just did this a little. I'm going to do like a little mini one. Yeah. Let's. So let's here's go what for here's it. what I think. Uh, so real quick, uh, uh, Hopkins is. Still effective when healthy. Last year, he was on pace for almost fourteen hundred yards. Uh, his his numbers, uh, when you actually look at his effectiveness, seventy uh, first percentile versus man, fifty first percentile versus zone, which you think sounds not great, right? That's the middle of the pack, but that's as a big X receiver. Like it's not that you see. That's the number that. Pickens, I think, was like third percentile. Yeah, so, and, and you were talking, we were just talking the other day, just uh, fair about the fact that these big X receivers, typically that percentage or that success versus zone is not great for a lot of those Yeah, I mean, they still, still have a, like if you look at the actual percent of success, it can still be pretty good. But as a percentile compared against all the other receivers in the league, they tend to be a little bit lower in that. Gotcha. And they tend to be a little bit better versus man. Um He's still drawing the biggest cushion in the league, number one. Uh, and so I, I, I don't really have a ton of questions about his ability. He, right now he's still what I would say is like an alpha receiver. So he's going to uh, he's going to draw targets to him based upon what he can do. Um, and then I started thinking about where he went. Okay, so uh, that offense is not n- traditionally thought of as like a high-powered passing offense, but... Tannehill has supported other receivers being very good and AJ Brown and, and Corey Davis. So I, I don't really see why he wouldn't draw uh, a, a similar number of targets and, and be able to produce at a high level. So I'm, I'm in on D hop there. I think, um, I think his, his numbers in, in uh, the desert weren't great. I sometimes I think that maybe Kyler Murray's, I mean, he wasn't really playing last year, but but still a, a little overrated, you know, as a passer. So I, I don't really see this as a as a, a down thing for him. I'm I'm in on on Hopkins in in Tennessee. It's hard to be out on Hopkins. It's he's, hard to be out on Hopkins just, until he until he actually fades. Like right, there will the cliff is coming. It'll happen. Yeah, but but this year I think he's fine. So he goes there, and and I, I thought about the impact on like basically two two players, uh, Traylon Burks. Uh, we we talked about Traylon Burks, I think, just like last week, right? So it's um, this will. So we talked about Shig too. We actually. did. We actually. So this is very. So so Burks, basically, one of the things I said is they had him playing X when he never had done that ever before, 
and never had demonstrated he was any good at it. And in the pros, he wasn't any good at it. So I was like, I really hope this experiment ends. This ends that experiment. Right. He's never, he's not going to do that. And that's fine. He does give him the chance to do what he's good at. The problem with that is, is that's basically the same thing uh, Chig does being a big slot receiver. Um, Chig, I think wins downfield a little more, but I really see them fighting for the same balls. Mm -hmm. So for me, okay, so I could see a scenario where both those players got some had some production. Now I really think one of them is going to be a big disappointment, and the other one's going to be a small disappointment. And um, you know, they drafted Burks to replace AJ Brown, uh, and then one year later they've now replaced Burks. Yeah. So. To me, it reminds me a little bit of like the Jets drafting Denzel Mims, and then like the next year, like in comes Corey Davis. Like it's kind of a vote of no confidence. Um, so I don't know what he can do with the role that he's going to be given, which should he should be better at. But I wasn't in love with his profile to begin with, and I don't see volume at that particular position. So. Uh, I, I think last week I suggested that maybe you move on from him, and now I'm kind of... Move on from Burks. Yeah, but now I kind of feel like, I don't know if... The, this might make it less... Like, people might be less inclined to trade for Burks because of this, and so you might have missed your opportunity. Hopefully somebody doesn't read the news or doesn't appreciate it or, like, believes one of these things, like, oh, he was going to draw the top corner, and so that he's going to be he's going to be wide open all the time. Great, use all those sales points, but yeah. get rid of, but get rid of him. Yeah. Chig, uh, he was very productive um, in that role, um, and uh, I just see it as he's going to get a volume decrease. The the team basically turned to him at the end as the reliable guy that could actually get stuff done, and I don't think he's going to get that volume. So, like, my love for him, which was never as good as the love you had for him, but the love I had for him was very much conditioned on this role. And I just think there's going to be a decrease in targets. And um, and as a result, like, you know, I, I he, he's still talented, but I, I, I see him much more in in like the next tier. Like, I, I before he was kind of in the same conversation with Dulcich as to who I liked and, like, Clearly, he's dropped down for me a little Got bit. It. But I, I still like Chig. I just don't think he's great. Well, for me, I'm I'm still in on Chig. I think you're right, though. I think his part of my argument for Chig last episode is that he uh, would get a lot of targets. I I do think that decreases this uh, this year with the signing of Hopkins. Um, Hopkins is 31 years old this year. Right. Even those really super elite receivers. I mean. It's 30, hard to keep, maintain that really high elite yeah, stuff. Yeah, and 32 is kind of the typical cliff for those really good receivers. So right. I I think he's got, if he's got two years in him, that's probably what he's got, I would say. And Chig is and only... he'll probably miss some time, too. That's a, I do think we're going to see some time. Like if you think about the how Julio Jones kind of faded, like it came pretty suddenly. It happens and, and, in a hurry. And it happened with injuries and and. That can definitely happen here. Yeah. And Shig's only 23. Right. And so uh, you could go back. I'm not going to repeat the metrics right now, but you could go back if you're interested. I just think Chig, I'm not, who knows? He may not 
pan out. But the metrics that he had in his rookie season were impressive enough where he's a guy I would still be pursuing. I would like to have him on my team. And maybe it's a buy opportunity. Maybe maybe yeah, it's a buy opportunity for him if you're thinking a little bit more long term. Right. I think that's a different possibility. Right. All right. On to the main part of our episode here. We have year three players. So these are guys that were drafted in 2021. They're about to enter their third season. We picked 2020, right? No, 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 you're right. No, that's because I was doing next week, next week's work. (laughs) Oh, that's right. You were setting up the year four guys. Now, these were the 2021. uh, This was the 2021 class. Yes. We picked out a few of the guys that we found most interesting. I think you're Starting us off, Sean. I am. Who do you I don't got? know if I normally do that. I, I, I don't start, know. We matter. didn't do it last time this way. But. Well, and maybe we should have done it the other way because since I did more talking than the other guy, but whatever. People people can just fast forward to your part and then go play, rewind it back for my part and they can just put together their, their own podcast. That's the nice thing. Nice thing about it. All right. So I'm going to talk about Kyle Pitts. And uh, he, I think he's an interesting player. Um, as a tight end, his rookie ADP was incredibly high. I think he was third... Uh, in a good draft class. Uh, so I'm going to presume that his salary is also high, yeah. especially in leagues that where you don't discount tight end salaries, right? So like we've talked about our league discounts tight end salaries, and that's why I was like, I'd take Pitts number one overall. But if you don't and you're paying him a big salary, uh, then what's going on with him becomes a, a yeah. everything becomes much more kind of a, high stakes play, right? Right. Um, one thing I thought was interesting is that he had over a thousand yards as a rookie and no tight end has over a thousand yards as a rookie and his ADP dropped. <laughs> his ADP dropped. Um, last year was just straight up disappointing. I think he basically had 350 yards. His ADP dropped again. But uh, like his production metrics, are they're still good. So... Why is that? So um, why why the drop? You mean? <clears throat> well, yeah. Like if he if he was still good at football, yeah. Why were his numbers down? Well, a couple things. One, uh, he was basically used uh, in a different way. He was used as a decoy. He would basically run deep. He ran a lot of deep routes, and uh, allowed other people to catch the ball underneath. Um, and you know. Uh, that only works if you're a threat to go deep. So he's providing value to his team. It's not great for fantasy football players, but you know he was number one or number two in target rate, target share, uh, deep targets, average depth of target, cushion, uh, unrealized air yards. It's one of my favorite ones. It just means your quarterback's terrible. Uh, there was a lot of meat left on the bone. Marcus Mariota is not good at football. Like he's not a start, should not be an NFL starter at this point. And um, I think that became apparent. And in comes Ritter. Well, but he didn't really play with Ritter. So yeah. like the thing is, like they, they the Ritter came in at the very end, and they didn't really play. But basically, his production last year was basically Will Disley with fewer TDs. Mm. So that does not sound great. One thing it's important to remember is in two seasons, one season was with uh, what Matt Ryan, right? Uh, 27 career games, three touchdowns. So that's not good. 
and he, and I smell he, regression. It's, <laughs> well, it's, could it's be. gotta come, right? Could be, but he wasn't even targeted there last year. Michael Pruitt had more end zone looks than he did. Wow. And we remember Michael Pruitt. Like he's not a guy that should get more end zone looks than anybody. But he, you know, he he's a he's kind of a a uh what do they always call it? Like a work <laughs> Workhorse or work pale pale. There's a there's a lunch pail guy. Lunch pail. He's kind of like a lunch pail guy. Uh, So there's some things that change. So so things. The number one thing that happened to him, I think, last year was that Matt Ryan left, replaced by the aforementioned Marcus Mariota. And then the second thing that happened is they drafted Drake London, and that's a big deal because Drake London is very good at football, and that opened up a lot of different possibilities for him. Uh, The cube. His his QB situation isn't going to be like improving in the short term. Basically, the team seems to be committed to Ritter, at least giving him a chance, uh, at least for the short term. So we don't really know. They haven't really played together, so we don't really know how how that's going to shake out. If you remember, I think you and I both liked Ritter yeah. uh, in that weak quarterback class. It wasn't like we were in love with him because the class didn't have any like superstars. It wasn't like the one before where it had like, you know, four quarterbacks taken in the top 15, right? Right. But generally positive. I feel like both of us were towards Ritter. I think it definitely has a chance there. And, and he seems like a Ritter had a, a, he, he, he seems like a, like an intellectual. And I feel like, I mean, it's so weird for to sit on the sidelines and, and try to assess that. But my, but that's that was the conclusion I came to is he was a listener. People would rave about his coachable, his attention, coachable attention to detail, and whatnot. So, yeah. I, I I'm not out on Ritter. Keep in mind, Drake London's going nowhere. They also this year now they've drafted Bijan, and Bijan is a great receiver. So it's going to we're now kind of diluting things a little bit more. There's there's like. The wide receiver two three situation there is I would call a little bit weak between Matt Collins, who's a decent role player, and, and Scotty Miller, who's okay. Um, I tend to think that they might draft another receiver next year, and in that then you start getting one of those situations like the Ravens, where you got a lot of players fighting for balls. Um, so my conclusions for him are. It's it's a little tough because it really honestly depends on salary, and uh, players. I I don't think players dominate college like he did, and then come in and dominate the NFL as a rookie, and then suddenly become Will Disley. Like that's right. I just I, I will never believe that. So he is has all the talent that anybody's ever suggested that he has. Uh, the team has a super solid foundation. In the last two years, they've acquired top talent at wide receiver, tight end, running back, uh, and arguably quarterback, maybe. Um, They already had a very talented offensive line. Uh, They've got a coach that wants to play ball possession, has been effective at using tight ends in the past. So for me, the only question is is when to buy. I start to think, well, maybe it's not this year. Maybe it's next year. The problem with that, and, and that would be just based on kind of some of these transition factors and, and the team might not be quite ready to, to really blossom quite yet. It's a little tough. It's like when you go to, if you're at like an auction or something like that and in your fantasy football auctions and you're like, when do I start bidding on this player? Do I let this slide or whatever? And it, it, the risk is that, uh, if he has a big year, if he has a big year, he is ungettable. 
For sure. Right now, he is gettable. And uh, so I tend to say, okay, yeah, could you squeeze maybe something a little bit better if he has another subpar year? Sure. He's not going to fall off the cliff in terms of value. So I tend to say, well, get him now while you can. Um, It does kind of depend on, on, first of all, number one thing, if you can trade an aging asset in for Kyle Pitts, even a really good one, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup, and Superflex, like CJ Stroud's not not old, but also I would I would do that. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, young, but also like you only have so many years with a running back, right? So uh, those are Devonte Adams. These are guys that I would I would move if I could get Kyle Pitts in return. And Pitts is gonna. He's going to turn 23 partway yep. through this season. He's and, super young still. The only, the, the really only tricky part about him is is the salary question, as I said, right. because if you if you got him on a discount because of your salary structure, then then I think some of those are no brainers. But then you have to consider, okay, what about players that have a little more little more uh, wear, tread on their tires, right? Devontae Smith, I probably wouldn't, right? I, it, He's. Uh, are you talking about Devontae Smith? Yeah, this week? yeah talking yeah, about I, him. Okay, probably wouldn't. DK Metcalf probably wouldn't. Drake London probably wouldn't. Mark Andrews probably wouldn't. TJ Hawkinson about the same age. The uh, Andrews is twenty seven. Hawkinson's twenty six. I'd probably move Hawkinson. He's also young, but I just I think the Andrews has basically kind of established a really high level of production for for a long time, whereas Hawkinson is. Not has not really established that as a consistent basis. Well, and the question for Hawkinson too is Cousins is not necessarily his yep. quarterback for long. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely questions about that. So for that, that it, that's that's kind of I threw out a bunch of names. Just to, I don't know if you agree with any of these names or if you disagree with any of them. Let me know what you disagree with. But I, I, for me, it's like that's the main thing is those names uh, are all appealing players. The older ones. Where like, okay, so let's say Pitts fizzles a little bit, you're only losing a couple of years out of guys. Then those are the situations where I do. If you're potentially Devontae Smith, you could have being a top 15, 20 wide receiver for the next eight years. I, I that'd be a little more cautious about doing. Yeah, I mean the only name that you threw out that I like, a couple like the rookies are the ones I really stopped to think about. Um, CJ Stroud, especially if you're in Superflex, I'm not sure I would necessarily do that. Uh, it's something it's I would. Tough. It's something I'd think about. Um, but I'm actually, I think I'm okay with the Jameer Gibbs take. I, I don't think I'm as high on Gibbs as as some people are in this class. So I think I'd be fine with that. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just th- those are my opinions on, on some of the things that I, I would do. But I ultimately I came to the conclusion that I think, if you. He, you know, he's a rare enough talent that now is the buy the buy window, and um, you know the buy window could be next year. But then you're rolling a dice that, I mean, if he has another thousand yard season, you will never see him hit the free agent. For market. sure, not. you'll never see him. You know, be able to trade for him unless you're giving up huge things, right? So, um, and then if you have to make if you if you were smart enough to draft him, if you have to make a contract decision this year, I thought about this this way: is like I would basically sign him to whatever is the max contract. I just He's he's twenty three. He's 
going to be an effective NFL player for many years. I think this last year, there's there's definitely some clear reasons for thinking that that's the aberration. Yeah. All right. My first guy is Travis Etienne. Let's get it right. Let's get it right. I'm going to say it the way he says it. All right. Uh, he play, he's, plays running back for the Jaguars, of course. Uh, the surprising thing with HCN is his ADP has remained surprisingly consistent. He didn't play his rookie year at all due to a Liz Franck injury. Um, he still maintained that relative ADP of six in his class, even though he didn't play. He carried that into his second year. He had a productive season last year. He racked up over 1,400 total yards. And even so, he finished as the running back 16.5 PPR. And that basically came down to the fact that he only scored five touchdowns. And that's with 23 carries inside the 10-yard line. which I, is I didn't realize that. Yeah, that was fifth best in the league. So he was not effective near the goal line. He scored only four uh, times on those 23 carries, which is kind of weird too, Sean, because he was Clemson's, he is Clemson's all time leading touchdown leader, all time yeah. touchdown leader. He scored 70 touchdowns in four years at Clemson. So I don't know. I don't know what was going on, but I think I'm going to, I'm going to get there. I've got some right. ideas on it. Um, ETN's games or HN's games were really inconsistent last year, too. He played in all 17 games, but he scored single digit fantasy points in nine of the 17. This is half point PPR? This is half point PPR. Um, his eight good weeks, and I'm laying out some weeks here because I'm going to make some points, but his eight good games, his weeks that were in double digits, came, came in weeks five through nine. Then he took a little break, and then he had double digit double-digit games in weeks 15 through 17. So I just started thinking, like, what was happening around those times? I was trying to figure out what's going on. There was a change at left guard after week five, but the two guys, the guy that got injured, Ben Barch, was replaced by another guy who both had similar grades by Pro Football Focus. So I don't... Who's the other guy? Uh, his name is Tyler Shatley. Mm. I Right? Like, I don't know either of those names. So. So he shat leads the bed. <laughs> well, that's why. That's I the mean, only reason why I asked that question. <laughs> Sorry, uh, super childish. That's fine. Uh, I, am, I am what I am. My 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 point is, it didn't seem to be be a big improvement on the line there. Nobody else really got hurt around him. Uh, he had HCN himself had like a minor injury in week twelve, a foot injury. He didn't miss any games, and that's not where he started doing poorly in terms of fantasy scoring, so kind of dismissed that. So then I was like, well, let's let's just look at the defense as he was playing. Let's look at those splits. So I found something here. It's not 100%, but I'm going to just present the information for your consideration. Mm. Uh, in his eight good games, the ones that he scored double-digit points in fantasy, those uh, in those games, seventy-five percent of them were against bottom half defenses in the league last year, and five of the eight were against bottom ten defenses. So the average defensive rank against running backs last year, when he had double-digit scoring, was twenty-two. Okay, so that's basically bottom ten. Right, and one of them was Dallas. That skews the average. Right, Dallas was a number three defense, really good. The Jets were number 12. He had a good game against them as well. That's why I'm saying it wasn't 100%, but 
but the vast majority of his good games came against bad defenses. In his nine, which ba- would probably be always somewhat true, but this just seems more extreme. Exactly. Yep. That's yes. In his nine bad games, his single-digit games, it was kind of flipped. Seventy-five percent of those games came against top-half defenses, and five of nine of them came against top. 10 defenses well really top 11 because one of them was number 11 but you get the point kind of that top half and and a good chunk of them were actually against the the really good top 10 teams the average defensive rank against running backs during those that period with his bad games was 12 so he's playing good defenses when he had bad games now there were exceptions there as well Char- he played, had a bad game against the Chargers, who are down towards the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple of middling teams in Philly and Kansas City. but um, Indy, he had a bad game against Indy, right? He had a bad game against Indy. Yep, that's another, another relatively bad defense. So it was enough where it made me think he might just not be that great against good defenses. Well, and again, I think it's always somewhat true, but when it's this extreme, you kind of wonder... Uh, a little bit like about, uh, I mean, sometimes like the difference between good defense and a bad defense is personnel, but sometimes it's actually just whether defenses are well coached and whether players are in the positions that they're supposed to be in. And so maybe it has a little bit to do with uh, a lack of creativity or something like that in terms of actually being able to create things on his own. It could be. And I'm gonna, like I said, I'm not drawing a straight line between these two, but it, it's a, it's enough of a clear line that I'm considering it. So Kind of wrapping things up on HCN, the lack of touchdowns is still a little mysterious for me. Um, usually running backs who are good touchdown scorers in college carry that over into the pros. That's a, actually a stickier stat than you might think between college and the pros. So I think maybe that Liz Frank injury that he experienced is still bugging him. And we know that Liz Frank injuries can affect wide receivers. It can affect their ability to cut and change direction quickly. And that's a skill that you need at the goal line. I'm wondering if it might not be affecting him at the goal line like it would a receiver. So I was just pulling up some of his efficiency stuff. And, you know, his, his two yards per carry is below. I mean, it's below average for starting running back. It's 24 and you know he's not creating a ton of yards per touch. It's not it's not bad, but it's not. I'm just trying. I was just trying to think if that's consistent with my theory that I just popped up in my head right now. And he's 17th in yards created per touch, which that's in terms of all running back. All running backs is pretty good, but really we don't care about all running backs, <laughs> so we care yeah. about the top ones, right? So, right. Um, I mean, there's there's definitely some good things here. He also had a lot of, of breakaway runs, and sometimes if you're if you're getting your um, you're getting your yardage in, in uh, 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 chunk plays like that, um, it could be a, a Kenneth Walker. Like you might be less consistent. So yeah. Well, and get just getting back to the the touchdown, the goal line work. I, they did draft Jaguars drafted Tank Bigsby this season as yeah. well. Who, who might be better at that? Right, he profiles to be a, at least a competent goal. His name is back. Tank. His name is Tank. Exactly. Um, so he's either really good at that, or he's a, a five foot eight slot, slot receiver. Right. 
Right, exactly. Might be Tank Dell. Who knows? Um, but I do, I think the, the I don't know, the touchdown, the, the inefficiency there is is concerning. The addition of Tank Bigsby is concerning. I think you, you, not only like, wow, regression is coming, right? Except for like, it wasn't like he had like, didn't wasn't getting opportunities. No, he like, got a lot of opportunities. It's, it's the inefficiency there right. that is, for me, sometimes signals like, they might have looked at that and been like, we need somebody else on the goal line. And then, so now it's regression isn't coming because you've just lost that chunk of the offense. Right. And then, as I mentioned, that, that the splits between defenses is also something I'm concerned about. So because of those things, I would recommend just sh- shop them around. Shop HCN around. See what the interest is in the league. He still has a relative ADP in this class of number five. Yeah. It's, it's you know, I'm looking at other players that uh, in within the class, just within the class, and actually just within the position, he's got a better ADP situation than Ramondre Stevenson, who we'll talk about a little bit later, better than Javante, uh, better than Najee at this point. Um, and, and some of those names... Um, I can definitely see uh, making making that switch. At the same time, you also can like trade him in and switch positions too. And I think that that can be. Uh, um, I, I would if you think about him versus like Amon Ross St. Brown, a good example. Or he's at the basically the same ADP as is Kyle Pitts. Like I would rather have either one of those guys by quite a bit. So. Yeah, and salary-wise, if if you're considering this, HCN is not going to be cheap. He was probably drafted around mid-first round in no. your... And Amon Ra is going to be cheap, cheap, He's going to be cheap. Yeah. So, I mean, I doubt you're going to be able to pull that trade off. No, but, you, but I would throw something. I'd, I'd add throw something, something in. I'd throw something in on that just yep. to save the money. Yep. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, let me talk about another cheap guy. Okay. Nico Collins. So, historically, going back to the beginning... <laughs> uh, am I using my like? You're drawing me in uh, well, like see. it's a story. So he, he profiled well for us, I will say. Uh, you know, his breakout age nineteen point seven. That's seventy eighth percentile. Yards per reception in college ninety third percentile. Speed score ninetieth percentile. Uh, didn't have a ton of college production, but his dominator was still like forty six percentile. It was okay. I thought I liked his film a lot. I think you liked his film, if my recollection is, but I think I liked his film more. And you we know for that. sure liked him more. We know that because I drafted him. <laughs> but because I had like a mid to even high second round grade on him, I liked him quite a bit. Um, NFL also liked him quite a bit. They gave him a th- they drafted a third round pick, spent a third round pick on him. I think it was kind of a middle third round pick, maybe 80 something. Um, but based upon uh, his his fantasy ADP, he probably is a minimum salary guy for most leagues, right? He's even I didn't draft him in the second round. I had a second round grade on him. I drafted him in the third round. Um, so is NFL production. Okay, so what happened after he got drafted? Um, he's got a little over 900 yards and three touchdowns in 24 games. Um, if you go on a like that's a little more than a full season, but if you, it's basically on pace to be about 650 yards per season. Not great, but uh, same 
statistically similar for guys uh, like last year, like Rashid Shahid, Alec Pierce, Jahan Dotson, Traylon Burks, and Christian Watson. Similar per game stats as those guys. And there hasn't been a whole lot going on in Houston. Well, it's not sexy. We've discussed right. how, how unsexy Houston has been until this year. Right. It's starting to get a little sexy. But here's the thing. Um, yeah, so I started looking at, okay, so what true opportunities did Nico Collins have? Well, he had the number 31st, 30, <laughs> number 31 rated quarterback in Davis Mills. I wanted you go. To, I wanted you to go with thirty third. I, I I wasn't gonna. That was never in contention. It was. It was starting to come up. It was not. Go listen to the tape. There's no thirty third. Oh. <laughs> I I'll listen. Okay. I was probably. I, I was. I probably started that word, or it sounded like I started that word because I was considering two other things. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, so what did he do? Um, well, Nico Collins was number ninety nine in target quality and catchable target rate, 100 in target accuracy, which means <laughs> nobody, mostly Davis Mills, could get the ball anywhere near him. But he earned, you're, you're smirking. If, well, just I'm just imagining Nico Collins having like a six-foot wingspan, and yeah, you're, Davis you're actually, Mills could not your, hit. Yeah, like, I'm right here. He couldn't get the ball within that six-foot no, span. Uh, you know, and there was a moment where we kind of liked Davis Mills, but like I think it was you know maybe, honestly, just hope. But but for the people of Houston, uh, so he earned. So what? He, so he did what he could do. He earned targets like a low end wide receiver. One, he was number twenty seven in target rate. His true catch rate was number four, meaning that he basically caught almost everything thrown his way that he could catch. He was number two uh, in, the, in the league in contested catches. Uh, not a ton of separation, but that's also kind of typical for that big X receiver. Um, it also can be related to quarterback play because if the throws behind you, uh, it's going to be a contested catch. Like <laughs> you, you might have three yards of separation throws behind you. It's a contested catch. Uh, so when you start looking at like reception perception and like, how did his, how did he look on the field? Um, it, it was quite good. He's over 70% success rate versus both man and zone as a percentile. He was 64th versus man 28th versus zone, but I've already talked about how that's not a bad number for an X receiver, 74th percentile versus press. So it basically he, if you want, if you're looking at what do you want a six foot four X receiver to do in the NFL, he was doing it. Um, so now he goes from uh, Davis Mills. Who can't hit a who can't hit anything, six foot target. Now he gets a ball placement specialist, mm -hmm. CJ Stroud. And, We've talked about Stroud could be a bust, absolutely, but he does have elite arm talent, not just with power, but accuracy, and he has shown the ability to make the kinds of throws that Nico will need to be successful. So I like that transition for him uh, a lot. Now, what is, what's his target competition? The ghost of Bobby Trees, all right? And then two players who have no NFL wide receiver experience, basically. Five foot eight separation specialist, Tank Dell. Never going to compete with him on the outside for targets. Uh, cancer survivor, John Mechie, who we all root, root for, but like ultimately was a middling receiver prospect before we even knew that he had cancer. So uh, he's not terribly big and he's not terribly explosive. Plays a very different game. 
Yeah, I mean, I would just challenge the middling prospect a little bit. Just he was a second round pick in the NFL. I'm giving my own ratings as opposed to, and you didn't like him as a receiver that much either. I, I did not. I just wanted to. Yes, I, I just no, wanted. He, to... he he has draft capital, and definitely, I'm not counting him out. I'm just saying, it's not. You don't need to be scared. Like maybe John Mechie's great, right? That's definitely a possibility, but probably not. And and a different receiver. And a different type of receiver. Yeah. A lot more playing close to the line. I definitely see him as competing with Tank Dell for targets uh, and Bobby Trees. All, all, all those guys all like to play close to the line of scrimmage. Nico's going to be one down, going downfield. Uh, so players you can swap Nico Collins for and get something in return. Uh, Elijah Moore. Okay. Now the, I, I still like Elijah Moore, but... He has had a one five game stretch his rookie year. So, and, so I just want to clarify: these are ideas to to go get Collins. These yes. are trades. Okay. And and Elijah Moore's ADP. Just looking at AP, these are all players that you basically can swap for Collins. And I'm just it. throwing out Elijah Moore as one of them. I don't hate Elijah Moore. I wouldn't say you would need to do it, but you're paying Elijah Moore a lot more. You're paying him as a late first round pick, most likely, maybe a high second round pick and, and you would save a lot of money and, and, and roll the dice with Collins. And I think that that's a decent play. Kadarius, Tony profiles as a gadget player. Like I know he's saying now that he can do more than that, but um, I think he's a slightly better Miko Hardman. And um, you know, we liked him coming out of college. He hasn't really shown himself to be healthy or reliable. Uh, he is a much higher ADP than Nico Collins, Josh Palmer. Similar salary, similar ADP. There's really no future for Josh Palmer at this point. Like he could, maybe, you know, hang out there and and or, or if Johnston ends up being a bust or something like that. There, there's, but there's you need something significant to happen to give him that opportunity. And and, and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, like there is talk of the next wave of receivers For in sure. LA being Quentin Johnston and Josh Palmer. There's talk of that, but there's yeah. a big difference between Josh sure. Palmer and Keenan Allen. And also they could easily just draft another receiver next year. Like I just yep. I haven't seen enough out of Josh Palmer to make me like, oh you you know, you yep. you gotta you're gonna get something great there. Rondale Moore uh, uh, he is going to be a terrible player on a terrible offense, and his salary is going to be higher. Um, if I could swap Rondale for for Collins, I would do it every day and twice on Sundays. I love that one. <laughs> uh, Rashad Bateman, last one I'm going to talk about. To me, this is the biggest no-brainer. Uh, he's definitely pricier. He was, in most leagues, taken in the first round, uh, has almost no production. He, he was replaced in the offense two times this offseason. I mean, not exactly, but kinda. Uh, and you know, so I, I would. Uh, yes, you're giving up a bigger name, but get go trade Rashad Bateman. Get Nico Collins as a throw-in. Trade Bateman for something else, and have Collins be the throw-in. Um, and you probably end up happier with Collins in the long run. And uh, you've got the other thing with you know whatever that is. Um, Contract-wise, if uh, uh, if he's you, you gotta make that decision. Um, if he's cheap and he should be cheap, I, I would sign him to a four-year contract. He's, um, he will be after four years. He'll still be twenty-eight. So we're not talking about he. You know, he didn't come into the NFL old. 
Uh, so I, you, to me, it seems like if he has a prime, he's you're going to have him through his prime if you sign him that long, right? Yeah. And will and if he doesn't, then he doesn't, and whatever. But you haven't spent a lot of money to find out. Well, you just uh, you just disrespected Rashad Bateman. He's, I mean, he is a gopher, so it's it's a little painful for <laughs> it me. It is a little painful. He's the next guy on the list. He's the guy I took a look at. Uh, wide receiver for the Ravens. In 2021, he was the 27th pick overall in the NFL draft. Went into the fantasy season with a, an ADP in this class of 14, which I, uh, I'm, I'm a little surprised by that. I don't remember him being that low, but... Uh, I'll take the word on that. He injured his groin in training camp that season, preseason. And, and just to clarify, I pulled that ADP off of like the fantasy football calculator. I, my methodology for old ADPs is, has improved. Okay. So, so I, that may my recollection was though that he was definitely a late first round. Yeah, that's. I thought he was more of a late first. We took round. him. We took him eight in our league. Yeah, that sounds a little more like it. Uh, anyway, he injured his groin in training camp. It was an injury that required surgery, so he ended up missing the first five weeks of his rookie season. He did play in the last 12 games that year, finished as the wide receiver 61 in points per game. He did have some positive metrics as a rookie. He was number five in contested catch rate and number 26 uh, for wide receivers in win rate versus man. Uh, but everything else was in, down in the 30s or worse. Uh, and he graded out as Pro Football Focus's wide receiver 70 in terms of grade that year. 2022 last season, his relative ADP rose up to 7 in this class. Uh, Hollywood Brown had moved on to Arizona. There was some optimism he'd be the number one receiver in Baltimore. Uh, he suffered a Liz Franck injury in week 4. Last year, he tried to come back after a couple of weeks, played in Two games, I mean, a full game and part of a second game, but he ultimately opted to have surgery in November to repair that injury. Uh, so he uh, played parts of at least six games last year, the first uh, first four and then a couple more where he tried to come back. He finished as the wide receiver, 55 in points per game. Um He's averaged right around so far in that pro career with that many games. He's averaged right around five targets per game over that time. Uh, and last season, I'm just throwing this in there because I found it remarkable. He had six drops on 28 targets. So if you remember going back to our rookie profile of him, that was one of the things that, I mean, I don't really spend a lot of time on drops, but, but Bateman had drops like, mm -hmm. um, and, and, and you know, I won't ignore a player's talent on drops just because I think that once they get on the jugs machine and whatnot, it normally solves itself. But that's that's a big number. That's a big number. I mean, you're you're over twenty percent at that point, right? So you're dropping one out of every five balls. Make somebody think, why am I going to throw to him? Exactly. And then back to PFF, he was ranked as the wide receiver ninety-seven last year by PFF. So it was a pretty broken up year it yes. was it's hard to put too much <clears throat> stock in that but um and then let's take a look at this year he's his relative adp is back down now i do believe the number 14 number um in june better during, process maybe <laughs> but also he just hasn't yeah, he hasn't performed 
Um, in June, during uh, Raven's mini camp, he had to take a cortisone shot for a sore foot. That that foot that he had the Liz Franck injury on, that's concerning. Um, the Ravens, as you, I think you mentioned earlier, they brought in OBJ and Zay Flowers this off season. Um, so that's another hit possibly to Bateman's value. The flip side on the positive side, Todd Munkin, the new offensive coordinator is expected to pass more and kind of open things up in that Ravens offense. So those are just some things to consider going into 2023. For me, the narrative that I keep hearing by fantasy analysts is, oh, we, we don't really know yet what Bateman can do. He hasn't been able to stay healthy, but he had a he had 16 games basically straight. He played 12 games his rookie season, then came back for four more in his second year. That's a full season of play. Right. Uh, so I, I feel like we have a pretty good idea who Rashad Bateman is in the pros. And unfortunately, I don't like it. We have the injury issues, as we've talked about. He's played in about half of his potential pro games. Um the Liz Frank injury, we've talked a lot about that on this show. It can be a lingering injury for a wide receiver, and it's still bugging him. We know it's still bugging him in June. Um, he really didn't show much improvement between year one and year two. Now, this is where I will give that caveat. Like He didn't really have much of a year two, but he still was only seeing about 15% of the targets in both seasons. Uh, that's despite Hollywood Brown leaving town. Um his points per game were very similar. He made a very small improvement in that from year one to year two. And now he has more competition for targets in Flowers and OBJ. I think... And we both like Flowers a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he could legitimately be the fourth receiving target on this team if you... if you oh, t- he, could, he could be lower than that, honestly. Yeah. Like, I, I've joked a little bit about likely. Um, Monk and Sen- not known for featuring the two tight ends, right? But like, he's good, and he he does good things with the football. And Bateman so far really hasn't. So like, ultimately, like, I, no, I I I don't put him finishing fourth as like the 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 floor for him. The floor to me is lower than that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it it could get ugly for Bateman. So it would be hard for me to actually see him be higher than four because I just Mark Andrews is going to get his right they gave OBJ 15 million bucks he's going to get his and and Zay Flowers is a better wide receiver yeah, at this point is. so that that to me is like I could I could see him sneaking into three but like but really he would have to change everything about everything for that to happen Right. So my advice is to put the flamingos out in the front yard. What does that mean? Isn't that, isn't that, is that a swapper? Yeah. Isn't that the signal that like? I've heard so many different things. Flamingos. I've heard pineapples. Swap. Pineapples. Okay. I've heard rocks, like white rocks. We had we had a friend of ours who had went over to some friend's house and they had white rocks. And I should know because I I've been to Houston. I should have asked. Oh wait. I can't tell that story. Oh, you can. Maybe this is the perfect time. No, it's not. Well, whatever you put out to signal to your league mates that you're ready for a swap, uh, put those out. Because I would would be working hard to trade Rashad Bateman while he has any value here. I'm uh, I'm not optimistic about his future. No, and he's a guy who's who's value could just absolutely crater. Right now, uh, 
yeah, I mean, similar ADPs, uh, Elijah Moore. Like, I'd much rather have Elijah Moore, honestly. <clears throat> um, yeah, I would take more. Trey Lance, I'd, yep. Yep. Give me Trey. I mean, there's some of these. Tony. Ugh. Yeah, I think Tony. I think I'd rather have. I think I I'd rather have too. Tony just roll the dice there. Um, yep. So I'm just looking at some of these other guys. Um, yeah, I've I've already told you I'd rather have Nico Collins, and he's his ADP is quite a bit lower. So yeah, all right. Ready for my last one? I am. All right, Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, he came in. This is I like talking about these guys because he came in in the third round, which nice means he's got a cheap. cheap salary. Right. We liked him quite a bit. I think we had him four or five in that class. If I remember rightly, there was a couple guys that were pretty clearly at the top, and then um, <clears throat> Trey Sermon, maybe was he in there? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. And, just, and just to clarify, people yeah. probably know, but when you talk about a third-round ADP, you're talking fantasy. R- yeah, rookie yeah, drafts yeah, and yeah, fantasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, we liked him. Uh, I, if I remember rightly, he had, he had uh, came in – Big body, nice feet. Um, and the primary issue, honestly, reason why he uh, 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 you're smirking is this. I'm just is, is I'm, I'm seeing who's that, who's that NFL coach that was in defeat. Um, <laughs> Rob, the, Rob. No, 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 it was it was Ryan. It was one of the Ryan's. Rob was Rex, Ryan. Wasn't Rex it? Ryan. Rex Ryan. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, I just was picturing a, a dating profile, big, <laughs> big body, body, nice feet. Nice feet, yeah, okay. So <laughs> he, he went He went there going, uh, he went to the Patriots with a, a mixed backfield. They had Sonny Michelle, they had Damian Harris, and he came in old. Ramondre Stevenson came in old. Uh, but his current situation is very different. So that's all been cleared up. Really, on the roster, they really only have Pierce Strong and, and Kevin Harris, and I guess Ty Montgomery is still there, even though he really didn't play last year. Uh, I'm hearing like the buzz is that he's having a Ty Montgomery's having a great camp. I mean, I'll believe it when I like. I just think he's going to have a great camp. It doesn't mean he's going to be productive on an NFL team. There's also buzz that the Patriots are are working guys out. Sure, and we'll I'll get to that. Okay. Uh, so 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 basically, Stevenson can, can, comes in, and he you could argue he caused Sony to get traded. They we don't need Sony Michelle anymore, so we trade. Then he ultimately outperformed Harris, who I always felt was a mediocre back. Um, last year, he averaged five yards a carry. Um, most importantly, he was a dual threat back. He he had really good receiving numbers. Uh, he really truly did everything. In terms of is he good at football, his efficiency is there. Um, four and a half yards per carry his first year, five yards la- a carry last year. Significantly better than any back on the roster last year. Not totally true for 2021, but but still was in the mix. Um, number three in juke rate, number three in evaded tackles. Again, those are those nice feet. Nice feet, right. n- nice size. He was sixth in breakaway runs, uh, 13th in breakaway run rate. Uh, sixth in yards created per touch. Um, his true yards per carry, where you kind of get rid of kind of like those uh, those the long, long runs. runs. Yeah, and it was still 18th, so that's still really good. Uh, that stat, to me, I call that the Emmett Smith stat. Like, like people always want to be like, oh, Barry was better, and like you know, I probably do ultimately side that Barry was better, but like Emmett Smith pretty much always got you five yards, mm. right? And and and. So you, what you really want, and this is more importantly, I think what Bill Belichick really wants is just somebody who's going to consistently move piles and get first downs. And I think that he has 
that is what Reminder Stevenson is and what he has done. So last year he did everything. I guess this year they've got Ty Montgomery to catch passes, but I, whatever. I, I just I'm not really factoring in that a ton. Ultimately, basically, you have to score points in fantasy football, and the window for running backs does not need to be huge. He's a great bargain. Uh, he does come with an asterisk, and here's the asterisk. Patriots have plenty of cap space, and they just lost out on D-Hop. And there's no cons- if you look at the other wide receivers available in the market, there is no consolation prize at wide receiver. Um, it, it, for sure, if there's anything other than a Bill Belichick uh, team, I would presume that they would get a splasher running back. But even Belichick will put uh, capital or money behind a running back uh, if he can get a bargain. And the running back market right now, it's 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 a I guess it's it's a bargain. Fast, yeah. right? We've got four yeah, we got arguably big name running backs who are just sitting out there in Zeke, Fournette, Dalvin Cook, and and Hunt. Um, and I definitely expect one of those guys to end up in New England. Yeah. So if I'm buying Ramondre Stevenson, I would like a price that will that will I'm paying a price that will hold up to a Zeke or Hunt signing. Very, very rarely in this league do you get guys who don't have to share the ball. That's why right. ultimately was I freaking out about Kenny Kenny Walker? No, because that was just that's just not sustainable for anybody. Like Brees Hall will probably have to share the ball with or someone the else. Banacanda. Right. Or whoever else. I still got Michael Carter. Anyway. They do, yeah. So like it, these things they typically happen. Uh and so um I don't think his current ADP is a value. Like at his ADP, Jacobs, Etienne, Kenny Walker, Austin Eckler, uh, Nick Chubb, Tony Pollard, those are all kind of within that same range. And I would probably take all of them over Ramondre Stevenson if it was just comparing which player would I rather have on my team. The value for Stevenson is his salary. Because so if he's not cheap in your league, I wouldn't, I wouldn't spend the capital to get him but if he's cheap at, at at that what i would call his likely salary which is probably something close to your minimum i would like him over everybody but maybe jacobs walker and pollard are probably the three that i would i would still at salary at a much higher salary would still want those players got it from your from your list yeah yeah um so and if i had a splashy big name like like swift or javante uh, and I could swap them for a player that I'm pretty confident is going to get the ball. Uh, I would do that. I would rather have a Stevenson. So, if you have him and you got to give him a contract, I, I wouldn't go crazy. Um, I, two or three years, um, because I don't expect him to be a significant second contract player. Three years will get you to the f- first year of his next opportunity, and that will be he'll be 29 years old. So really. You really gotta you gotta factor that age and he's he's not this is a short window for this guy, but I think you can get some good production in the short window. Yeah. He's twenty five. He turned twenty five in February. Right. So he's gonna by the time the season ends, he's almost twenty six years old already. Right. So he's definitely, like you said, a short term kind of guy. But somebody that I agree with you, I think he'll be he'll be productive this year despite another signing. Like I would love him to be like I feel like he is the third running back on a championship team. 
Yeah. Like if you're in that's, and that's like presuming like if they somehow don't sign anybody, then he's better than that. Right. But, but if they, even if they sign somebody, one of these players, and maybe if it's Dalvin, maybe not, but like, but Zeke, like, you know, yeah. give me uh, Stevenson as, as uh, probably like, a guy like Zeke, who's already kind of breaking down a little bit, Hunt, who's definitely had a, a step back last year. Right. Some of these guys are going to be guys who are going to, who are going to spell Ramondre Stevenson. Fournette didn't. Fournette, yeah. Now, I do think Devin Cook could actually yeah. challenge him, but I, yeah, don't, I don't want it to be Cook. I don't want to. Yeah, somebody, <laughs> yeah, you don't want it to be Cook. But, but other than that, I mean, that's why you kind of want to you want to protect your price and you don't want to overpay for him. All right, last guy here. I'm going to go fairly quickly. We're getting kind of long in this episode, Sean. Um, Devontae Smith, wide receiver for the Eagles, uh, came into the league as a rookie with a ADP in the class of five. He finished that season with 900 yards and five touchdowns, finished as the wide receiver 29. That's not a bad rookie season. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. Uh, the next offseason, A.J. Brown is traded to the Eagles during the NFL draft. Um, so Smith's ADP, at least in part, dropped down to number nine in this class based on that. He went on to finish last year as the wide receiver 10 overall in half PPR with 95 receptions, 1,200 yards, and seven touchdowns. He's good. He's good. Um, when I was looking at the numbers, I found it interesting that for both Smith and A.J. Brown, from weeks 13 to 18, so about that last third of the season, um, there was a big uptick in fantasy scoring for both of those receivers. Smith was the wide receiver, too, the last third of the season, behind only his teammate, A.J. Brown. So the, the Philadelphia passing game was clicking. Uh, Devante actually had four more receptions than AJ Brown. They had the same number of touchdowns at four. Brown put up about 75 more yards that last third of the season to edge out Devante for the one wide receiver one spot the last third of the season. Um, it's not all rosy. I went in to look at metrics for Devontae Smith, it's not all rosy there. Um, his average depth of target is pretty low at 9.9. Yeah, but that's how, how he plays. Like, he's just so quick laterally. Like, that doesn't, that doesn't freak me out at all. Sure. Um, it was his red zone targets weren't great either, number wise. I didn't write it down. I just, um, he didn't get a lot of chances near the goal line. Maybe he only had seven touchdowns, so that might right. explain. And Hurts will steal some touchdowns. Yes, that's true. <laughs> a lot of touchdowns. Um, this is the one that really surprised me. His target separation was surprisingly low. He was ranked as, as the 61st wide receiver. So, yeah, and, and I don't know. I mean, sometimes I think that's like you you have to take some of that with a grain of salt. Like I, I definitely think like there's uh, sometimes like those big broad numbers like that don't always account for what kinds of routes they're running. Now, I will say his ADOT was low. Like Pickens, his target separation wasn't great, but he's running go routes every single play. So uh, it, it is odd, but it's also one of those stats where like uh, if, it, if, it's, if that's the only thing I'm worried about, then maybe I can kind of just like ignore it. <laughs> yeah, and honestly with most of this, I, I, the last one was just contested catch rate is kind of low, and I guess that's not unexpected with a small receiver like this. Um, 
But I just wanted people to know I considered both sides of this argument. You don't want people to, to oh, Tim's biased. Right. He's got Devontae Smith. I do have Devontae Smith on my roster, but I did. But you do I, for a good reason, because you know he's good. Yes, and that that's kind of the thing. Um, that's actually part of how I'm wrapping this up is uh, Smith's relative ADP has risen over the last year, but it's still lower than his rookie ADP, which I just don't get. I think this guy's come in. He's played two full seasons. He's shown he can do it in the NFL. If you if you look at his reception perception, I just pulled this up. It's it's all green, man. Yeah. There's, a, there's a little bit of yellow. I mean, it's really elite. He he is a. I like AJ Brown, but he also has some knee history. We've talked about before. Like I don't, I mean I I definitely think it's a possibility that Devontae Smith ends up being the top receiver there over the next five years. He's that good. I would not be surprised if that's the case as well. And actually, I think the fact, the ADP for this coming year, I think it just has to do a lot with Amon Ross St. Brown moving up, I think rightfully so. Jalen Waddle moving up again, rightfully so. Um, So the one I kind of don't get, HCN is still ranked higher than him. I don't agree with that one. But at any rate, Devontae Smith, I think, generally is undervalued by the attitude of the people, the ADP. I hundred percent agree. I, I, I would I would I would give you plenty for him, but you won't trade him to me. Right. Well, and that's what that's about what I was gonna say. Like if he's on your roster, I he's would He's significantly behind Amon Ross St. Brown. And in the truth and I'd yeah. like Amon Amon Ross St. Brown. Devontae Smith put up great numbers with Target competition from one of the best receivers in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. That's... I'm gonna uh, St. Brown is like we still don't know exactly what happens when Jamison Williams gets online. It's and true. like I'm not, I, I'm not crapping on Amon Ra. I think he's going to do his thing, but there's no way that I have Amon Ra ranked ahead of Devontae Smith. You and I only differed. Like you have Smith two, I have Waddle two, but it's close, man. Yeah, it same really here. Close. I could have switched. I could have flipped the coin between those two. Same here. Yeah. So um, I would say because of that, because for some reason he's not valued as highly as I think he should be, if he's on your roster, go ahead and sign him long term. He's not a guy Mm. I would move. Give every bit of contract you can justify giving him because he's just not going to, he's not, barring tragedy, uh, he's not going to just somehow get, he's in an offense with a young quarterback. Like there's just, Everything is set for him. He's on a yep. good franchise, good organization from top to bottom. The it's plate a great is situation. Set. The plate is set. And and you just you aren't gonna get value in a trade. People and if and if you are trying to go get Devontae Smith, if you're one of the people that is like, Oh, I actually know how good this guy is, the person who manages him has them on roster is not gonna be willing no. to give him up. No. So just give him a nice long lucrative contract and you'll be happy you'll both be happy even fat fantasy stacks that's right all right that's gonna wrap up this episode coming up next we have our year four players we'll pick out some of those names that there might be question marks about or some interesting stats that we come across we look forward to doing that. We appreciate you it's being here It's probably going to be today. a bit, though. It's probably going to be a bit because you're going out of town. Yeah, right? I am going out of town. So it's uh, it's it's going to be a little over a week before that episode drops. But like I mentioned last time, we'll 
We'll make it work. We'll, we'll work to get them out as soon as we can. We appreciate you listening. We look forward to next time. Until then, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Steel. Join our community on the Steel Pod Facebook group and follow us on Twitter at Steel Pod.